Hey everyone, it's Julia. Just as a heads up, I was invited to talk about Sofia Coppola's 2006 film Marie Antoinette by Rebecca over at the Women Direct podcast. And I hope that you go and you check out the episode. I had a really fun time talking about it. The female gaze being a bit of a red herring. And yeah, we just had a really fun time. So please check it out. Support another female podcaster who does some really excellent work. Thanks. Welcome to the Royal Diaries Unlocking History. My name is Julia. My name is Felicia. We are sisters who love books, history, and talking about them both. We're doing a deep dive into the Royal Diaries series. Come with us as we learn about the girls who became women that shaped history. All right, so Marie Antoinette, Princess of Versailles by Catherine Lasky. The summary reads, in 1769, 13-year-old Maria Antonia Josepha Joanna, daughter of Empress Maria Theresa, begins a journal chronicling her life at the Austrian court and her preparations for her future role as Queen of France. As a bit of a disclaimer, we are a pro-Marie Antoinette household. I know she was not a perfect person, but she is like forever my Scorpio LARPing walking disaster. There was a lot more to Marie Antoinette than just her being Madame Deficit. But at the same time though, that more doesn't exactly mean that she was this erudite woman who was completely misunderstood. Yeah. Some of the myths and like the myth- and the narratives around her, like there actually were some grains of truth to them. It's like when Marie Antoinette, she's gone from being like somebody who people have a general knowledge of to people, she's just like an aesthetic that nobody really knows that much about. Anymore. Or if you do know about Marie Antoinette, you know the real story. Exactly. Like you don't need to go and have like (laughs) the myths get busted. That's really boring to me. Well, in this book, the majority of it does happen while she's still in Austria. Yeah, what did you think of the book? um, I enjoyed this book. It was a lot more uh, linear read. This whole book is a 90s makeover movie plot. Oh, yeah, 100%. So it's all about how does she... Because she knows she's going to marry Louis in Mm -hmm. France. And so, like, how do they Frenchify Marie Antoinette? Mm -hmm. And how do they basically make Marie Antoinette? Pretty much. And then the last little part of it is just her acclimatizing to Versailles. And it's even though you know how to do the fancy walk and you know how to wear the clothing and blah, 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 it doesn't prepare you for the level of pettiness and how much rich people have way too much time on their hands and how awful they are to each other. Nobody could prep her for basically the high school that is Versailles and then it sort of ends off with you know the infamous confrontation with Madame Dubarry which is my favorite there are a lot of people at Versailles today and that was it and there's nothing else you can respond to that versus if how's the weather then that's actually an invite for conversation Mm -hmm. and so it ends with that sort of triumphant she comes into her own kind of moment Mm -hmm. so as a reader it was really great because this whole time she's sort of a puppet for political purposes and her mother and she's trying to please her and this other kind of stuff and then Mm -hmm. it sort of caps off with her coming into her own type of thing yeah which is a great setup for you could imagine oh yeah now this lady takes charge of her life and turns into the way like her mom is and runs a country amazingly but that's not what happens so so that's why that book is a that's why I like this book for reading uh, purposes but because I know what actually follows afterwards she didn't become like badass leader lady and 
it sort of all fell to pieces. How old was she when she was actually killed? She was 38. It was like right before her 39 And that birthday. was another thing that was... Catherine Lasky is a very good writer because she even foreshadows like how Marie Antoinette sees how her mother's 46 and she's remarkable. No, she's like 53 or, or something. Or something like that. Anyway, she's older. She's older. She's like a quote-unquote middle-aged, but she's had like, I don't know how many kids. 18. It was 18. I think it was 18. She had like a ton of kids and she's been ruling a country and trying to keep Frederick of Prussia from invading her nation. So obviously she's not, you know, a spring chicken, but just Marie observing and remarking on her mother's, you know, oh, I wonder what I'll be like when I'm that old. I'm like, oh, I was like, you're never going to be that old. I mean, that's where it's like really depressing where in her letter to her mother, when she talks about the coronation day, she says, I could live to be a hundred years and I'll never forget that day. And it's wow. And you're going to be dead within, you know, not too long. A couple of decades. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed this book and compared to with the other ones, it was more they're waiting for someone to die. Whereas this one is more climax, so to speak, you would think would be the wedding. Yeah. But it keeps going a little bit afterwards. So the climax is more like her coming into her own and having this confrontation with Dubarry. Well, and I think that that's the one thing too. It's because unlike the previous women that we've read, so she is not meant to rule at all. I think a lot of people that forget that their most famous French queen actually wasn't French. Yes. Kind of the way how I want to go and talk about Marie Antoinette. Think of her as being at the center of a wheel. Mm-hmm. And rising off of that, we have family dynamics and her childhood. What was going on with her mom? What were her, like, what happened with her siblings? Like, what, what was happening at this palace in Austria? And then we go and we have Versailles, too. Not just Marie Antoinette's time at Versailles. How did it become an, in, how did go from being a, a shitty little hunting lodge to, to being like, like an Versailles inst- like yeah. it's a verb almost exactly yeah. and then we go and we have some of the arts and culture at like her time and her legacy off of that too yeah like those are like in my opinion three main things that you need to have context around if you don't get that then you really won't get Marie Antoinette exactly because Marie Antoinette is like product of her environment yes but her environments there are a lot more complicated. Well, within the context of everything, it just adds a lot more because on the surface, Marie Antoinette, scandalous for her time. Apart from the idea of like her spending a lot, a lot of people are just, well, what's the big deal? Everybody was spending a ton of money. So well, and, what's up with this? Well, like, who and, cares? Well, and also too, to our modern sensibilities, there are her contemporary scandals and under the modern things that make us deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. And there's a need to go and differentiate between the two. Yeah, because people at the time in Versailles weren't pressed about her spending oodles of money because they were doing it too. You know, that's just sort of the way that we're going to be approaching this woman because genuinely I know way too much about her. Okay. Okay. So let's talk family. Her mom and her dad had 16 children. 13 of them survived into adulthood. Like Maria Antonia Josefa Joanna, she was born on November 2nd, 1755 to Maria Theresa, the Holy Roman Empress and Emperor Francis I. She was the 15th of 16 children and heads up, uh, we are going to have a lot of people with the same name. All their daughters had the first name Maria, but they all were referred to by their middle name. Yep. And also, you want to know what's really fun too? The first daughter and the third daughter, I literally needed to pull up a chart to get this correct. They both died when they were children, and then daughters who were born after them 
got the same names as them. I feel like they probably only had like seven names in the baby name book, and then they were just after a baby died. Well, move on. To, we'll just rename it after the dead one. This family dynamic of having way too many siblings and having a mom who was a little bit more cooler and a little bit more calculating, understandably, it did have like a major impact on her life. Her mom was really the one who was large and in charge as the empress. Yeah, she was again like empress, and that was something that's in this book. Like she's an empress in her own right it's not she's not a queen she is an empress and that's a distinction that needs to be made the name queen used to refer to the woman who is married to the king pretty much and then when we had like in england with matilda well she's the heir She's mm-hmm. not the queen. She's not married to a king. She is the king. But they're yeah. like, but a woman can't be king. So then, they, then that's when it changed to being like, it is a ruler. Yeah. And then that's where Poland is like, hmm. well, it doesn't say what gender the king has to be. So, Jadwiga, you're going to be crowned king. King is just a title. It's a title. No, exactly. It has nothing to do with your gender. Think about Maria Theresa is that she's shown as being deeply competent. Mm. And she's all about her ministers, everything like that. Maria Theresa. She actually wasn't supposed to be empress at all. What? She had an older brother who had been the heir and he died shortly before her birth. And so then she became her father's heir. Her dad, I don't really care that I don't have a son. I'm just going to live in denial that she's my heir. Oh, live in denial. Oh, okay. I thought it was like live in denial that she's she's not a boy and I'll just treat her like a boy and make her do the king stuff. Oh, no, no, no. He was I'm just going to resent her for the rest of her life. Oh my gosh. She had an education befitting of somebody who was going to be a queen consort. Oh my gosh. And then she, but she's actually the heir presumptive. But she literally was the heir presumptive. Now here's my question. Why didn't he just go out and try to make another baby or something? They did try. His wife kept on having girls. Ha. I know. Truly the giant cosmic God is a woman. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, you think you want boys? I'm going to give you all the girls. But I go and I mention that bit of tidbit about her mom. It's yeah. because when Maria Theresa became queen... Like, she, was set, she wasn't set up to be, kill it. No, she wasn't. And she's, I had no army. I had no money because my dad was a fop. Everything was a complete mess. Mm. I trusted his advisors initially, but then I realized that they were... They, they're just like lining their own pockets and they don't know anything. She did go to war and everything too. And then she's married to Francis, who she really likes, but turns out that he's philosophical landering around on her. She didn't go and make the type of investments in Marie in combination, not just because Marie wasn't supposed to become Queen of France. But no one did that for her and she did it myself. Pretty much. And it's a she only needs to know what's absolutely necessary, which is that she's supposed to be a pretty object. We do it all the time where we're well, I figured it out. Why can't Why you? can't you? And it's well, everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Some people need some coaching. It doesn't mean that they're stupid or or whatever. I mean, the one thing is that Marie Antoinette did go and su- uh, struggle scholastically. I personally like to theorize that she probably had like a, a minor learning disability. I think she was dyslexic or something. Probably. Because she, she didn't like to read and writing was difficult for her. So I feel like there was some sort of dyslexia type of learning disability. Definitely. There was some, like she wasn't Or stu- maybe she needed glasses. That, yeah. Do you know how many people they'd be like, this person's stupid and then they put a pince nez on them and they're like, I can see see oh we thought you were stupid no I couldn't see 
<laughs> Pretty much. I mean, we don't know exactly. Here's the thing, though. She wasn't stupid. No. Unlike the previous women who we've talked about, she was not scholastically inclined, just yes. naturally. Depending on what you've experienced, if you have the attitude of, well, I made it on my own, or if, you know what, that was really hard for me. I don't want my kids to have that nonsense. Yeah, and Maria Teresa did not care in the same way to do that. Also, she had a lot of kids. Yeah. And also, she had like a lot of other big political issues happening. So the education of one daughter. Well, it was a lot of her children, though. Okay. Yeah. All the children. <laughs> Barring some of the boys. I pay people but, to do that, I guess. Yeah. If there were a defining aspects of Marie Antoinette's life, like her early childhood, aside from her mother, mm. it would definitely be her siblings, particularly her sisters, and smallpox. Ah. Now, everybody always goes and thinks about how Queen Victoria, like she have, she was the grandmother of modern Europe, but part of me wonders if she took some inspiration from Maria Theresa with how this woman basically ran her family like it was an episode of The Bachelor. That makes sense. Yeah. All of her surviving children, so three children died in infancy or when they were super little, mm -hmm. 13 of them grew up. All of them needed to get married into other powerhouses of Europe and to basically help foster peace and develop stronger alliances. The book gets into that quite extensively. Others make war, but Austria makes marriages. Exactly. One of the big ironies that a lot of her children, when they got married, a lot of them didn't end up having children. Her dynasty plan just sort of petered out. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And also the fact that two of her daughters, it was Maria Anna. Mm -hmm. So she was the oldest surviving daughter, but she was very sickly. And now we think that she probably had scoliosis. Uh. So she had a bent back. She was really freaking, like, she was the smarty pants. Yeah. She did, like, freaking science experiments in her apartments, apparently, <sighs> before she was then shipped off to become basically a version of an abbess. Yeah. Where, like, she didn't actually have to live there, but she ended up choosing to be at the monastery a whole lot more because she could do what she wanted to. There's a whole subset of religious life that we don't even think about, mm -hmm. which was if you wanted actual, quote-unquote, true freedom, joining a convent. The other sister, Elizabeth, who she did go and get smallpox yeah. and became an abbess but even Maria in this book she is something that you know even in her aunt Charlotte too yeah. who she sees they have a type of freedom not afforded to me even as a queen like, yeah. like anything anything they want yeah because they're not bound by marriage and politics and even if you know you're quote unquote the most powerful woman your power is only from the fact that you're married to this person exactly and the way a lot of her sisters ended up going and getting married was because either they died of smallpox or they got smallpox and had their faces ruined. Do you want to go and do a little bit of minor myth busting though? Please do. Okay, so remember her sister Josepha who went to the crypt? Well, here's the thing is that now we think that she was probably actually already sick with smallpox uh, before she went there. Well, the way that it's probably has like a long incubation period, doesn't it? Yeah, it has like about like a two week incubation period before the rash actually shows up. Yeah. So she never she never stood a chance. 
Joanna died, Elizabeth got it, so did Josepha got smallpox. Like smallpox was legit everywhere though. And Austria for some reason was hit especially hard hmm. with it. That'd be interesting. I don't know too, too much about the history of smallpox, but I do know that the first inoculations were happening around this time. Wasn't the smallpox vaccine invented and Marie Antoinette or someone, someone rich and powerful basically said, I'm going to inoculate my kids because everyone was so freaked out about that vaccines. That was Maria Teresa and that was what killed her sister Joanna. Oh. All the other kids recovered from smallpox. Mm. Joanna got it and she died. Well, anyone who says boo to vaccines, considering there's how many people <laughs> who got the vaccine. Well, and the thing is, so is that that happened, but then they didn't go and inoculate any of the subsequent kids though. Oh. So that's why Josepha got it. Oh, that's a bummer. I know. Well, this didn't work. Like, we were going avoid it and it's like and then it didn't work again oh but because of that her sister's dying or getting knocked out of succession marie mm-hmm. Antoinette got moved up the pecking order of how this all worked after her sister caroline went and died basically it was left to marie she was the last sister and then where's she gonna go because one of the things is that austria and france had been bitter enemies yeah. for years but then maria Theresa started to think well you know what i actually think it's going to be england and I think it's going to be Prussia. Those are the real up-and-comers, and those are the people who we need to go and be protected against, mm. mostly because they were not Catholic. Ah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's funny, because they go and they talk about, in the book, oh, well, maybe, like, why doesn't my mom go and marry Louis oh. Fifteenth and all that? Why doesn't she marry him herself? Yeah. You know who actually was one of her suitors when she was younger? Frederick of Prussia. Ah. But they couldn't get married because he was a Protestant. And he wouldn't convert. Exactly. Mm. Maria Theresa said, I need to go. I'm going to go and create this alliance. Antoine goes at, gets in there. All the stuff that we go and reread in the book is actually a lot more distilled down from all the other stuff that she had to go and do. Yeah. It wasn't just... Learn to walk right and dance and wear these clothes. It was also all those pages of court etiquette. She got them way in advance. Mm-hmm. Another thing too as well is that shift in dynamic of how she was treated within court seniority as well too. Yeah, because she's not just a daughter, now she's going to be the Queen of France. Marie Antoinette's childhood basically went from being very carefree, nothing was supposed to happen to her. Her dad dies when she's nine, within two years it's up. So you're going to become Queen of France, now everything needs to go and dramatically get changed yeah, in your life. Time to grow up. I read this book, she was still a couple, when I first read it way back in the day, Yeah, she was still a couple years older than than me I thought she's really young yeah like this doesn't like this isn't right she was like a high school it's like oh you're going away for high school all right well you're going to go off to France and marry this strange boy you've never met before she goes and she gets shipped off to Versailles High School which you know a choice that her mom decided to go and make everybody else had died or was already married off pretty and that's why they were I guess we have to go with the second to last pretty much because the only other girl ahead of her who was alive and marriageable was Caroline and she had been married to Ferdinand of Naples. Yes. Yeah. Old man. But that's the thing though. They say that he was an old man. He was only a year older than her. Oh, really? Yeah. Listen, we all know that Louis XVI was actually six foot three and just a really husky lump of shyness. Yeah. He's had his, we can talk about his rehab. Ferdinand the 
born from Naples and Sicily was only a year older. And I'm not going to say he was a complete catch, but he was not an old man. Well, maybe he just had that really ugly Habsburg face because of all the inbreeding that these Habsburgs were doing. I mean, he, I mean, technically they were related, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were because you had the Habsburgs that were in Spain mm-hmm. and you had the Habsburgs in that area, in the Iberian Peninsula. You had the Habsburgs in France and then you had the ones that were in Austria and they were all just marrying each other, which is how they kept getting uglier and uglier. Ironically, Maria Theresa's parents were not as related to each other as previous kings and queens had been. Yeah, so maybe the fuggoness skipped something. Good lord. I know, right? If you ever want to see something that those things nightmares are made of, look up the Habsburg lip. Yikers. And keep in mind, this is portraiture. So number one, this isn't photo, so it's not for realsy. Someone made deliberate artistic choices to paint this person as is. And also, they're a rich person probably a ruler. You don't think that that artist is going to try to be flattering? This is what flattering is and these people look like their faces are melting. Good <laughs> lord. Like, Elizabeth Like this is me Elizabeth, on a good day. Elizabeth the first, hold my lead paint. Yikers. Exactly. Um, We're going to go through the list of Marie Antoinette's siblings to cap off her child. Archduchess Maria Elizabeth of Austria died in childhood no issue. She was the firstborn daughter. Archduchess Maria Anna, she was the one who probably had scoliosis and was the really smart nun. Died unmarried, also had no issue. Man, a science nun is such a cool thing. I know. Where's the miniseries about the science, science nun? nun? I know. Archduchess Maria Carolina died in childhood, likely from smallpox, no issue. Um, Caroline the one. The first one. And that's also Elizabeth the one, too, right? Oh, yeah. Holy Roman Emperor Joseph II. So he did go and marry Princess Elizabeth Isabella of Harlem first then she died she was the mother of TT okay and then he married Marie Joseph of Bavaria the thing was though is that both of he had two daughters both of them died young so he had no heirs oh dear I know this is why they need to do that thing with the Romans did where you would just sort of take someone under your wing a la Caesar you know with Octavian even Mm -hmm. though they weren't blood it was I've decided I'm gonna train you to be my heir like if you're not gonna go and do an actual democracy that system or what they did in Poland where you have a council of nobles electing the king anyways next on the list next on the list is Archduchess Maria Christina of Austria she married Prince Albert of Saxony and he was her second cousin they had one child a stillborn daughter this is what too much inbreeding happens this is why you can't make a baby I guess yep Archduchess Maria Elizabeth we know she got smallpox she had no issue and then we have Arch Duke Charles Joseph of Austria. He died in childhood of smallpox. Mm. No issue. He was six. Archduchess Maria Amalia of Austria. She married Ferdinand Duke of Parma. She actually did have children. Oh, congratulations. I know. So we have, so far, we have one child. We have one living child after all this marrying. Exactly. Yikes. And then we have Holy Roman Emperor Leopold II. He was, basically, after the two daughters died yeah. from Joseph, he became the heir. Okay. So he did become the heir because... Yeah, we need a boy to 
take over something. Well, and also, Emperor Joseph, he died in 1790. So, Uh like, he didn't actually rule independently for that long either. Uh, Leopold II died in 1792. Maria Theresa did not ruin her vaginal cavity for this nonsense. My goodness. I know. Archduchess Maria Carolina of Austria. Wait a second. I just realized this is Carol. This is the actual Caroline number two. Oh, yeah. She died hours after her baptism on the same day. Oh, my God. Archduchess Maria Joanna, as we know, she died of smallpox. Mm -hmm. Josepha, she died of smallpox. Caroline, Carolina, the spared Caroline. The the third third Caroline Caroline that actually lived, who married not old and ugly, Ferdinand IV of Naples. They actually had children. Yeah. And then Archduke Ferdinand of Austria, they did have issue. And then we have Marie Antoinette. She did have four children. Two died. Well, two, well, yeah, but the fir- her first son died when he was still a child. Sophie died when she was not even two. Yeah. Louis Joseph. He died in prison. He died in prison. And then Marie Theresa Charlotte, she also died without any issue. Yeah. Yeah, Marie Antoinette, there's no direct from her line survivors. Hmm. And then we have Archduke Maximilian. He became the Archbishop uh, Elector of Cologne. So he had no kids as far as we know. Good Lord. I know. Why did Maria Theresa sacrifice her body so many times for these ungrateful children to not make children and to die? Because of the revolution Mm. and because of the scandals in her life, we really go and we have like this really narrow focus on Marie Antoinette and really in her whole family. There was a lot of tragedy and a lot of things did not go the way they were supposed to. I feel like that's a lot of uh, royal families. So we don't think about the big picture of how many children Mm. and what was their family life like. There's more to it than that. Well, this was such an interesting age though too with technology killing people became easier because gun warfare was Mm -hmm. a thing the cavalry this was the age of the cavalry Mm -hmm. and the warship yep and a bunch of different things simultaneously and also you know and then it's the enlightenment yeah we're having yeah we're having the enlightenment and i think also too and this is something that we've also touched on earlier how many parallel things are going on at the same time that marie antoinette is alive yeah that's why it's wild when you actually put a historical figure in a historical context Mm-hmm. You're just like, damn, so much happens. Exactly. <laughs> At the same time, within that context of having her dad die when she was young, being forced to grow up in a way that she didn't necessarily want to, she had no agency over her life. Yeah. We know this by virtue of like her surviving letters and when people talked about her, she really did idealize certain aspects of her childhood. And the book conveys this too, is that Marie, Marie Theresa, she's no, a lot of this etiquette stuff is bullshit. Yeah. Doesn't actually do anything. Because for her, she talks like, we need to go and exude majesty. Yeah. But you can't really go and have majesty if 500 people are standing around looking at you take a dump. <laughs> it's so true. There's there's no mystery to it. But the whole thing of the court etiquette of Versailles, hashtag Versailles, the TV show. I was legit about to peak. go and say, you, I didn't, okay. It was great because of how it set an understanding. How do we come up with these redonkulous rules and regulation? Where did this crazy etiquette that is always talked about in regards to Versailles, where did it come from? Truly, Louis the Fourteenth. he was, the main palace was the Louvre 
Louvre. So yeah. in the Louvre. The Louvre. In downtown Paris. Where we all now going to associate Triangle and Mona Lisa. Yeah, that was the main palace. France, as we know, it didn't really go and get solidified into its landmass until like like 150 or so years before Louis XIV's birth. Yeah, it was basically a bunch of small kingdoms. Nobles, like they had their own, like they had their own priests, their own independent armies. Yeah, they had their own castles, they had their own armies. It was a feudal society, right? Louis XIV, he became king when he was a wee baron. Ever was somebody who did not get prepared in the way that he should have been, but was just so freaking smart and like capable of understanding people? It It was Louis the 14. Well, and I think, you know, what really worked in his favor as well is the fact that he had longevity on his side. Mm-hmm. So many different rulers, they didn't come to the throne in enough time. Yeah. Or they came to the throne, but they were only on the throne for maybe max 20 years. He was on it for like 72 years. So if, think about when you start a new job oh. and acclimatizing oh. to a new job oh. and you work at this job for 72 years. I hope you don't suck ass at it after 72 years. For him. I have all these people, some of them who do hate me, who have their own armies and have a lot of money. And they actually are probably wealthier than me, but I am the king. What's up with that? So he just made it that if you weren't there, you couldn't do anything. Yes. Basically, he turned it into the hashtag had to be there space. That's where if everybody else, even if you're not having to deal with the king, the people who are your legitimate neighbors, if they're all there, and you know you want to talk to them about hey this year I'm thinking about doing da 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 crop can we help help each other out but they're not at home you go knock at next door in your next door neighbor's castle or chateau they're not there where are they Versailles shoot I guess I gotta go to Versailles and while you're there you're mixing and mingling with other people Mm -hmm. and it's a nice place and it's a party place and really there's no reason to go because the people who you need to be connecting with are all there well and also so essentially you live at the office oh good you basically like, live at the office. It's and like when the you're, ultimate work from home, but like a nightmare hell. Yeah, and you're, really... I'd like to go home now. And they're like, we have a room for you. I think oh. that for me is actually the wildest thing about the room situation in Versailles. Because Versailles, when they were going to rebuild it mm-hmm. to becoming a beautiful palace, initially they were just like, oh yeah, when your friends come, there'll be places for them to stay. And so they built it, whatever. But then Louis, no, no, no. I would like them to stay indefinitely. Definitely. And the builders were... We didn't plan for people to stay forever. Uh-huh. We just planned for you and your family to stay here. We do not have enough toilets. We don't like, have enough bathrooms. We don't have enough bathrooms. We don't have enough washing spaces. The kitchen, logistically, is on the other, other side, side of the palace. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do the dining area here, by the time the food gets to you, it's going to be cold. <laughs> well, that's the second. You're going to be having big dinners every single day evening what are you doing yeah not on fancy feast days every Every day day. is feast day what is also hilarious that's a noble is you show up to versailles you're assigned a room and then depending on how much the king likes you or doesn't like you you may get a better room or you may get a shittier room so let's say you go out you say something stupid you don't realize that it gets repeated back next thing you know you're well that was a great day at the office schmoozing and whatevering with my fellow nobles i'm gonna go back to my room all your stuff is outside the door and you've been kicked out of your room you get 
further and further away from the king, king until you're finally in an attic. <laughs> just, God damn it, I well, have a chateau. Why am I in an attic? <laughs> well, then want to know why you're in the attic? Because you want to go and find out if you're going to get to be the bitch who pours the water over the king's hands. He went and he took the nobles and basically refashioned them into his servants. Like so the they, level of galaxy brain. That yeah, Louis that you have someone who, yeah, that you have someone with their own power, their own chateau, their own army, their own source of income is now punching out someone to hand over the napkin that you will wipe your butt with. That is the system that now you understand the behind the scenes. Now Marie Antoinette's showing up and this has been happening now for two generations. And people wanted to go and like court favor but it also was a way to go and send subtle cues of which she was and like if she was or was not good enough. That whole thing of a will she go and talk to Dubarry or not? She's not talking to the king's mistress. Like it literally was of in court etiquette. Dubarry could not talk to her. She was not a person to Marie Antoinette. It's beautifully illustrated in Sophia Capella's Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. You know, the rising, the levee ceremony. Yeah. Oh, but now this the princess, princess of the, is coming in and she may hand you the chemise because she is a princess of the blood. And then, hello! And Marie's standing there. Naked. Naked. Just, can someone just give me my effing shirt? Marie, as she got older and like when she became queen and everything, she, a lot of it did get simplified for her. Mm. But that's the thing though, just for her her that's sort of marie's problem or it's a she's like ah i shall go and make improvements i can feel the benefits and it's sort of a hmm do you ever want to think about even if you win and you challenge the system collectively <laughs> no she just thinks about it for herself exactly which which is fair like she lacked galaxy brain like yeah. that way. So Louis the 16th. Yeah. Too. So we've moved on from Louis the 14th. I've done 72 years of making you noble people like my servants. I'm out. Yeah. And then Louis the 15th, who he was handsome and he was a lovable sex maniac and he was trash. Yeah. Well, he basically had playboy lifestyle stuff that Louis the 14th also had, but none of the ruling competency that or Louis- at least understanding of Louis the 14th recognized, look, I'm not going to be a political mastermind in terms of stratagem, but I'm going to hire the right type of people to do it. Well, and also it was like he was, he developed like the absolute monarchy. So yes. in the end, it's a, it may not be his idea, but he's got a rubber stamp every Thing, right? And yeah. The final thing, and his words final. Louis the Fifteenth did not care at all. Louis the Fifteenth, he's basically living a bachelor fun fun boy lifestyle and then one day they're like you're the king and he's what does that mean they're like, now you're in charge of us and he's okay cool I'm gonna keep doing my fun boy lifestyle bye he just he just didn't care did the same like in the same way that he didn't really get invested in at all by Louis the 14th so Louis the 16th wasn't supposed to be the king he had an older brother mm. and he had a dad Louis's older brother also named Louis shock Oh Shock gosh. of the year. His pa- like he was really handsome. He was really smart. Like his parents doted on his older brother. So because he was the younger one, they were just man, whatever. Talk about like Marie Antoinette obviously had a very shitty little childhood of all her family death. With Louis the Sixteenth, his older brother died, yeah. and then his dad died a, like a couple years later, and then his mom couldn't handle it, so then she died. Oh no, sad little orphan. And his grandfather King doesn't care about him 
obviously. You know, he didn't really get invested in, you know, people were just sort of, you know, he's just going to have his council of advisors. Yeah, he'll just he, basically do what his grandpa's been doing, which he, is living the high life. And uh, he just says, sounds good to me. <laughs> right, I'll write the check. Exactly. I am sympathetic for, within his own context, you do have this kid who is basically left to his own devices. And yes, a very opulent and very privileged lifestyle. Dang, way to be neglected <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. When Marie shows up, she really did go and change his life because finally somebody kind of gave a shit about him. And paid attention to him. And that's something that actually comes out in the the book too. She was allowed to be a child Yep. up until, oh, you're going to be the Queen of France, so now you got to take life seriously at nine years old. But up until then, she was still allowed to be a kid and things like that. And so teaching Louis how to throw a snowball and how to go wading. That's you know, like, we don't know if that necessarily happened, but she had a lot of, she had truly joie de vivre. I think like, that's, I think that's really what it is. And also you have someone with fresh eyes coming into this, what the heck is this fun house all about? Whereas much. he's living in the fun house his entire life. So he has no context of this is weird. Yeah. He's like, no, it's totally normal to have 20 people watching me all the time. Yeah. Doing my most private things. Well, and also it's a, if he wanted to get away, he was interested in locks. He was a major nerd. Apparently right before he died, he was, yo, I want to go and find about like this new lock manual. Plus also like did this explorer like arrive to where he was going? Oh like, my he, gosh. Can you was, imagine if they were allowed to be like, quaintly middle class people at the time? I mean, they probably would have died of smallpox and or starvation because there was no middle class in France. But I get what you mean. Well, maybe they could have emigrated to England and then been like on the cusp of industrialism or something. Both of them didn't really want to be where they were. For Marie, aside from having her children, she lived a really aimless and pointless existence. Yeah, she doesn't get to make any decisions at all. Louis, in a lot of ways, like he didn't really get to make a lot of decisions either. And he also, in a, in a very ironic way, even though he had quote unquote absolute power. He really couldn't do anything. Yeah, and I think in, in like when he came to the throne, France was bankrupt pretty much. The nobles were not paying taxes. There's a lot of stuff that even by virtue of how Louis the Fourteenth set, set up, up Versailles, that was just kind of a, all right. We are just sand for the hourglass, and we're running out of time. Yeah, this is not tenable. As opposed to if the nobles were actually you know on their property, working the land, trying to do industrial things to bring an in income for the country instead of just working in the same four fields forever and ever and ever. Well, and also, too, France had gotten involved in way too many wars. I mean, they funded the American Revolution, too. Yeah, and there's no kickbacks from that kind of stuff. And I mean, and also, in our context, a lot of money was spent trying to go and keep New France together, but then oh, yeah. that failed spectacularly, as yeah, we what? all know. Battle of the Plains of Abraham. <sighs> what a waste of money. I don't really want to go and get into the final, like, the lead-up to the French Revolution. You can go and read that on Wikipedia, or on any sort of history book, it was not good. It was going to go and fall It was a apart. bad scene. And so it's sort of a, could have been done differently. Like, it was like nothing. nothing. Literally, the way how it was set up. Absolute monarchy that was set up was basically boom and bust. Pretty much. Economy. There is no plan B. Exactly. We've just spent all of plan B. <laughs> that is plan B. Yep. Just keep spending it. And 
the great irony about Marie Antoinette and Louis is that they love to give to charity. Oh my gosh. They love to give to charity. Marie Antoinette adopted a lot of different children. Yeah, she became like almost like a, a patroness gov- uh, godmother. Of like a lot of different a people. A lot of people. Like, yeah, she didn't know what was going on. She had no need to know what was going on. And also... Would anyone have told her? No one would have told her. I don't her. think anyone would have told her. If she was, you and know, she, said, are people of France happy? They're, of course, they're going to kiss her ass and say, it's amazing. Everyone loves it. Well, Why wouldn't you love France? And then they never overlooked the complex. They yes. were I, They were truly on an island to themselves. I mean... If, they might as well have been in a different country. That's how... Versus is a cult and they have no idea of how it fits in the actual context of the real world. Marie to go and like push back against it. As we all well know, she was major in her cottage core LARP and yes. everything. Yes. We have to talk a little about the Beth of Trianon and a little bit about her village. Yeah, let's about like, you know, you were saying about how culture and art at the time, how she sort of basically blew that up. Let's talk right. about Rococo. Rococo fashion. What do you know about Rococo fashion? So what I know about about Rococo, frill, gilded, perdonous, and that was really actually uh, Madame de Pompadour, mm-hmm. who was Louis the Fifteenth's mistress, famously in the Doctor Who episode, The Girl in the, the Fireplace. Fireplace. Yeah, she was basically the one that kicked off this idea of more lace is more lace and well, things yeah. like that. Louis the Fourteenth, we all know that oh, really famous. No. Like, I got my calves out, they're popping. And He's I like, lace wearing... on lace. And high heels are men. They show off my legs. Spectacular. It wasn't just Madame de Pompadour, but a lot of the tropes that we think really got codified, especially in women's fashion at the time. Yeah, because of her and others. Well, but the irony is, though, France's most famous queen actually wasn't French. Yes. A lot of the stuff that Marie Antoinette, and was really popular at court at the time, was actually, wait for it, Polish. Hala, well, the Polonaise. Exactly. Both in, like, the dance, but also the dress style. The dress style. And a Polonaise is when you have the overskirt, the pretty piece underneath. Mm -hmm. And this was just excess. So that means I have to wear an under, that means I have to wear undergarment. Mm -hmm. Then I'm wearing an underdress. And then I'm putting a dress on top of it Mm -hmm. so that you can see the pretty dress underneath. So that's an extra layer of fabric and embroidery and frill, et cetera, et cetera, that is actually not necessary, but it's there because it's pretty. Exactly. And I mean, part of the reason why it became the thing is because Louis the Fifteenth was married to a Polish princess. Ah. So she imported a lot of that fashion in the same way that Marie imported a lot of Austrian food. The croissant. Yes. Which was made in honor of... Their, def- uh, their fight with the Ottoman Turks, wasn't it? With the Ottoman Empire, yeah. yeah. Because you were eating the, the, the crescent, crescent so the Islamic moon. Yeah. Yeah. Just to commemorate a war. Yeah. You did not go and break down the gates of Vienna. When it comes to fashion too at the time and Rococo fashion, French silk was also the big deal too. Yes. France was at the heart of fashion and had been literally for centuries at that. And they really, like they did draw influences from other, but in the end it was always about French textiles. It was about following French queens and their fashion. 
with Marie, she definitely was part of that culture. She was very fashion forward in a way that didn't really go and fully realized until after her death. The infamous portrait of Marie Antoinette and Gaulle, aka Marie Antoinette in a white muslin dress. Yeah, she's basically wearing her underclothes. Yeah. So, her French old timey underclothes, so which looks like me, a beautiful dress to me. Exactly. And that's the whole thing. <laughs> when you're talking about the modern versus her contemporary scandals, what was the contemporary scandal at the time? The role of the monarchy is to present majesty mm-hmm. and to sort of be extra. Yeah, because for her, in her mind, it's a, oh, I am hashtag relatable. What she was influenced by was ideas of enlightenment, very back to nature, sort of that kind of idea. So she's like... An Instagram influencer. Loose and free and airy. And my cottage that my husband built for me on our large palace. On our large palace palace property. I'm I'm going to work, honey. She walks five steps away, except eggs. That have already been cleaned. That have already been cleaned. That was part of the scandal. But another aspect was that she was wearing a muslin dress. She was not wearing French silks. Uh Uh-oh. A big scandal because basically proto-regency fashion. Yes. Like that's essentially what women after the revolution and the nobility were wearing, which was really simple, usually white, basically going and turning the textile industry in on its head with a portrait. She can make and break entire industries. Well, and also because right now we're having the emergence of textiles, so mass-produced textiles. Mm. You have cotton mostly came at that point from India, which was being colonized by the British. Yes. There's uh, now suddenly this higher demand for cotton going on. Yeah, because it's so easy and breezy. And then you go and you have then the increase of cotton plantations in the southern United States. Which are then getting milled in England. And then we then go and have a further importing of human beings to be enslaved to work those lands. So basically, are you blaming the increase of the transatlantic slave trade on this portrait? I'm not saying that it's all due to that but it was part of a larger ripple effect and a change in fashion for me when it comes to Marie Antoinette she didn't say let them eat cake or let them eat brioche which is the whole big thing it isn't the affair of the necklace when we talk about Marie Antoinette for me I think that something that we need to go and talk about in her legacy is this complication of a how did she change industry so almost irrevocably unintentionally through some of her choices that to me is like a bigger scandal than all the bullshit ones that were made up about her. You know, as we talk about Marie Antoinette in terms of art and culture, a lot of stuff that we think of being quintessentially French these days, that came from Marie Antoinette. Antonin Carême is considered to be the grand high priest of modern French cuisine. He did two major things. Number one, turned away from service à la Française, putting all the food out, sweet, savory, hot, yeah. cold, all at the same time. Basically, let's have courses. Yeah, he went he did service a la Russe, which was food be brought out accordingly in order. Well, Marie Antoinette did go and still eat service a la Francaise, but mm. he did go and take her recipes. They were simple. She didn't really actually wear a corset that much, but yeah. she was just naturally very slim, even after having four children, but she did a lot to keep her figure. Well, she's walking around this boring-ass palace all day trying to get away from the 20 people who are chasing her, probably. Oh, yeah, pretty much. And, like, she's wearing 50 pounds worth of clothes. Yeah, I mean, she's a weightlifter. I know, 
she does that because she drank a lot of consomme. She would go and have simply roast fowl. She didn't like fussy food. Like the cream and the this and the this. She was just, no thank you. She ate, yeah, she ate stodgy, boring, proto-German food. Yeah. But because it was made with... Fresh ingredients. Yeah. It, it, oh my it God. was like store-bought was not fine. She really loved her cottage core life. And Karem took her recipes, transformed French cuisine. I think it's really funny because we kind of went from talking about her childhood, a little bit about Versailles, and now we've totally skipped over her end. <laughs> We're just like, oh, let's yeah. talk a little bit about her legacy. Well, because we know what happens in the end. And I think... Unfortunately. I know, right? The woman died and she died in a really horrible way. Yeah. I don't really want to go and get into the details of the horrible things that were said about her at her trial. I don't want to go and talk about how she literally went and saw people who she loved being torn apart in front of her. Not figuratively. Literally Literally. torn apart in front of her. We don't need to get into that. So And the trauma of her children. Exactly. We don't need to go and do that. We know how she died. We know even what her last words were. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. The people who detracted her, the people who hated her, the people who drew cartoons of her riding an ostrich penis. Yes. We don't remember them and their legacy is not felt in the same way that hers is. She shaped French cuisine. She shaped fashion. She really did go and leave an indelible mark, right? Yeah, she she maximized on those ones for sure. Biggest thing for me with why Marie Antoinette still sticks around is she literally is the end of an era. She is. Things were changing. Yeah, and they would never go back to the way that they were. Also, basically, you can't recapture innocence, which is kind of funny because that's what the Enlightenment and Marie was also trying to do with her running around and her... LARP. Her LARPing. Yeah. And she was trying to be that innocent girl running around in Schomburn Palace. 100%. It's really hard for me to go and summarize up my feelings over Marie Antoinette. She's either an extreme villain... Or or an extreme victim. Or an extreme victim. Yeah. People think, well... Well, obviously we know about Marie Antoinette because of the French Revolution. But I think what you've sort of outlined is we know Marie Antoinette in ways that we may not be aware of. She actually intersects into our lives when we think of quintessential French things, the idea of like Regency fashion and Mm. cotton and all this other kind of stuff. How many other queens, the The, royal broodmares, like the arm candy, do you actually remember genuinely how many of those queens can you name the only queens who we remember are the ones who tentatively went and ruled in their own right yeah who stepped outside of that i'm just here for the party and to look pretty exactly but yet despite all that we do remember marie which i think is so fascinating about her she's truly unique in that way yeah and in a lot of ways it's always still unfolding yeah, depending on how you're looking at it and who's talking about it, true. Like, there's going to be more films, there's going to be more books inspired, and, you know, I'm just going to have more and more reading and watching material. <laughs> it's a never-ending Marie Antoinette fest. I will never be over my Marie Antoinette said. I'll be like, Marie, until the day I die. Follow us for more research, fun facts, soundtracks, and aesthetic posts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter at Royal Diaries Pod.